Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Well, that was uh, 30 minutes of one of the most depressing political speeches I've ever heard in my life. Democracy and freedom are on the ballot. Trump's terrible. And uh, nothing about Biden's record. Nothing about what Biden wants to do. Nothing optimistic whatsoever. And then he yelled about being optimistic about America after scaring everybody for 30 minutes. Welcome back to the show. Glad you're here. 855-839-1210 on Twitter at Rich Zioli, where we've had some great interactions today. Uh, wonderful tweets as well. And yes, I the only thing I could do was just talk over the speech because it's the only way I could tolerate it. That's all I could do. It's all I could do. I, there's nothing else I could do. And I wasn't going to let you suffer alone. So I had to um, I had to I had to talk over it. But your chance to weigh in. What did you think of the speech? Let's start with that. Let's talk to uh, Bo's in Levittown today. Hello, Bo. You're first up. Rich, you certainly made it tolerable for me. Otherwise, I would have punched my radio in. But Rich, you have to take this on the road like a Mystery Science Theater 3000 event. I don't care if you do it in your favorite cigar lounge, if you're sitting down with a cigar in your makers and it's on television, all his speeches. You could do like five or six of them in a row. You could do a set where he whispers and you just make commentary rich i would pay money to your favorite charity or to your kids <laughs> college fund just to be able to if you could do something like that if you want to bring a guest in, you bring idea. in jimmy Fallon. you bring in jimmy Fallon. oh my god i can't well, how depressing is this guy oh yeah he's the worst no, I mean, the only way it could have been better is if i was actually drinking but i, I would have i, I would have been i'd be passed out right, right now can you imagine if you had to buy drinks for your friends? How many how many bottles and makers you would have went through by now? Oh, oh my god, bad. I can't. Oh my and, god! And did and you like all the uh, all the all the promises he's, he made for America in terms of the economy and national security? I feel good about how and... things are going. It's really it really <laughs> makes me feel upbeat, and the fact that I'm a MAGA supporter too. I mean, he, the fact that he ripped me for almost twenty twenty eight minutes until the end. You know, where we have to be decent and work together. 
I mean, that's the way. That's how you draw people in and, and bring them all together. Is how is how his speech uh, is how I would recommend it. I, I mean, at first I thought I was getting a history la- lesson from a guest lecturer back in my old Drexel days, but you know, uh, fake history, by the way, or drunken history, because he drunken certainly history, was slurring. Is... Yeah, he was certainly slurring his words. But please, Rich, consider that. I mean, he could almost make it a monthly thing at a bar where they where his speech is coming up on the sixth, and and you have a bunch of people in there and. And you just sit down and, and you're talking talking through it, and then we could discuss it afterwards. And you know, a whole show like you did, you know, a few years ago with Nancy Pelosi. You know, back. back well, we could do Newt it. Canada. I like it. But listen, buddy, thank you, and have a great weekend. All right, I appreciate you too. Your, Take care. You too. Appreciate you weighing in. Uh, let's see, Big Al's in Mocha Hill. Big Al, how are you? Hey, Rich. I'm doing. I'm doing fine. I almost drove off the road when he started to praise Ruby Freeman and her daughter. Okay, now. If, I remember seeing this video during the election where Ruby Freeman came in and told all the vote counters in Fulton County, uh, Georgia, that there was a water main break. OK, we have to stop counting. We'll come back tomorrow. After they removed all the counters, she came back in with three other people. They went over to the t- a table, lifted up a black cloth that was around the table and pulled out four large suitcases. And this is on film. One person took uh, one of those suitcases over to a voting machine, grabbed a handful of votes, put them through, grabbed the same votes, put them through three times. Now, I don't know what happened to this video because I sent it to all my friends uh, way back when in the election, and now all of a sudden uh, it, it, you, you, you can't find it anywhere. You know, I'm, I'm so frustrated about it's that. It's probably there is with the Jeffrey Epstein that, uh, CDs. Yeah, it's probably and right I, I got a little idea... I, I met you at Jack Chertorelli's fundraiser in Haddonfield. I'm the former pro basketball player, Globetrotter. Um, oh, yeah, I remember you. What of I want to do is, okay, now, what I would do now, if I was, I was Trump's people, I would keep on running the ad where Obama says, if you want things to be effed up, just give it to Joe. Just get, Remember when he said that? Mm-hmm. And just keep uh, on running that ad. It's coming right out of Obama's mouth that he, he will mess up anything. Al, thanks, buddy. Thank you for the call. Have a great weekend. I appreciate it. Look, I mean, the, the, the bottom line here, I mean, this was a depressing, depressing hellscape speech. And you do this because you have no message and you have nothing to sell the American people on. There's no ec- there's no economic vision. You can't take you, you can't you can't talk about the great economy. You, you, you can't you can't promise people things. I mean, this is the campaign here. This is going to be one of the most political, depressing political campaigns we are ever going to witness in our lifetime. And, yeah, the only thing we can try to do is to have some humor here. But my God, it's just brutal to listen to this guy and the the absolute um misery i mean i it's the misery index of this speech alone was just depressing and and this is what we're going to get this is what you and then and he and i love how he talks about how uh, politics doesn't have to be a fight he stood up there and just besmirched every single trump voter in the country and completely just uh, just went after you and attacked you and this is the reason why people want to kill each other every day over politics it's it's stuff like that it's exactly what you just heard and then to equate January 6th with World War One and World War Two and the Civil War. I mean, give me a freaking break already. It's this guy, he just doesn't stop. Uh, Greg's in Chestnut Hill. Hello, Greg. Hello, Rich. I don't know what you're speaking of or your callers are. I was inspired. <laughs> it was one of the greatest speeches I've heard since Churchill. So I don't, I, I don't understand what you guys... You, you only hear what you want to hear. You're right. You it's didn't, true. Are you telling me you didn't want to... 
put your red shirt and your red hat down, pick up a blue one, or put a black hoodie on, take off your work boots or your work gloves or your 12-hour days, put, pull the hood up, put on your Crocs, throw a backpack on you, and go out and cause misery? That's what all that was. I don't know what you guys are hearing because it makes me proud to be an Antifa person. Antifa. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, you Greg. I, yeah, I do. I know. I get it. It's, it's proud, proud to be Antifa. I, I, I hear you, and you're, you're right. And <laughs> well done. Well said. Thank you. Have a good, good weekend, buddy. Thank you. Uh, Bob is in Brigantine. Hello, Bob. Hey, Rich. Thanks for taking my call. Just a couple of things I'd like to remind or point the Rich Zioli Army t- to uh, consider. Number one, this would be the only insurrection in the history of the world to start and end on the same day. <laughs> number two, <laughs> number two, I learned from the speech today that the armaments that they brought to the insurrection were Trump flags and Confederate flags. Number three, I'd like Corrine Jean-Pierre to show us the tape with the guy with the dagger in his hand that was putting it to the throat of the American patriots. And then lastly, on the most serious note, people need to realize that there are actually people that are literally committing suicide rather than face the rigors of this Justice Department and long jail sentences for simply being in the wrong place at the wrong time. That's true. I mean, the there there what what we what this country is doing to people who did nothing other than be in the United States Capitol building on January sixth is it's it's an absolute travesty. It is a travesty My of the justice well. system. And to art to, to brag about those convictions when when you're talking about a DC jury and these kangaroo courts, it has been an, a, a, a such a shame. Uh, you're right. And Bob, thank you. Thank it's you for the call. It's heartrending. Thanks for it taking is. my call. Bye-bye. You got it, buddy. You have a great weekend. Uh, Nancy is in Lansdale. Hi, Nancy. Hi. Hi. Just wanted to say I saw heard part of his speech, and it was, like you said, depressing. But what a lot of people, I get tired of hearing, they call us a democracy. Nowhere in our Constitution and nowhere in our Pledge of Allegiance does it ever mention a democracy. We're a republic. It's supposed to be people rule, not one person ruling or controlling us. And one of the other things that Biden said, he wants, he says that we are the greatest country. Well, then why is he trying to make us subservient to all the other countries? I don't I don't get he that. doesn't believe we're the greatest country. He, like every other Democrat, hates this country. They all hate America. They hate what America well, stands for. They hate that America yes. is a republic, like you're saying. And they hate the founding fathers and they hate the Constitution. And so invoking Washington is a scam because they want to get rid of the entire document that the founders created, the Constitution, which is the guardrails against their leftist lunacy. So they're completely full of it. The whole thing was, was a bunch of B.S. Right, I, I get that, but there's a lot of people, Rich, that actually believe his BS. I can't believe that they can't think for themselves. And I, on Election Day, have worked the polls for the last 12 years. Some of the stuff that I have seen and some of the stuff that they do in our county, it's really amazing. But they don't follow... They don't follow the rules and how these judges and everything can go against what rules 
or Nancy, written I'm, down. I'm going to let you go. I'm getting a lot Amazing. of feedback. Unfortunately, you get your echoing back. But thank you for the call. And, and yeah, and thank you for working as a poll worker. Uh, I mean, this is it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what we just heard. It's ridiculous. But but understand, though, and this is the key point. We are awaiting, by the way, the SCOTUS decision on the Colorado Trump ballot ban. Uh, that breaking news just came out just a few moments ago, awaiting SCOTUS decision on the Colorado Trump ballot ban. Uh, if you have nothing to sell people, if you have nothing to offer them, then you have to try to motivate them by fear. That's it. That's all they have. Look, there are two ways you can convince a voter. You can either you can have a voter run towards something or run away from something. That's it. That's the only way to do it. And you, you, what, what's Biden going to do? Stand up there and say... Aren't you? Don't you love high get high grocery prices? Aren't you loving these high interest rates? Aren't you loving the the fact that the border is being invaded every single day in this country? Don't you love the crime in American cities? Don't you love all? Don't you love this? Give me four more years of this. He can't say any of that. There's and there's no economic message to offer because again, everything about him loving the country and it's, it's a bunch of BS. They think America is built on white supremacy and capitalism and they want to tear these things down i'm actually wondering how many lefty lunatics today are furious at him for invoking george washington real i'm truly i mean they hate washington he, he had slaves therefore they want to they want to cancel him too so I'm, I'm i'm just i'm curious about that blowback from the squad when they'll issue a statement condemning the speech for that reason uh jim's in wilmington hello jim i know you guys down there are used to the traffic that people in bluebell are feeling today Hey, Rich, uh, happy new year to you and your, your crew there and your family. Uh, Thank you. After George Washington spent you know, the winter of 1777-178 in Washington, it's just so ironic. I find it incredulous that this guy changes his travel plans you know, for one day of a possible wintery mix. This... This guy that's uh, you know known for uh, plagiarizing, you know, he couldn't make a pimple on George Washington's butt. And I'm sorry, I don't have something different to say from all the other callers, but uh, that's okay. You know, I, I mean, look, I it's, just, it's, it, it look, it's exact, it's exactly a hundred percent right what you're saying, and. And I appreciate the phone call, my friend. It's a, it was a disgrace to George Washington, this entire speech. Jim, thank you for very much for the call. I want to point something out. Um, so Biden said today, democracy means the freedom to speak your mind. There is currently a case, Missouri v. Biden, which is uh, being heard by the Supreme Court, where the government censored people for speaking their mind. All right. So don't forget that. This is the absolute biggest hypocrisy here. And bragging about pro-Trump protesters being sentenced to a combined 840 years in prison when the overwhelming vast majority of those people did nothing wrong other than be in the United States Capitol that day, a a public building. And they are and, and, and they're celebrating. You know, he talks about this totalitarian future. How is that not totalitarianism? 840 years combined prison sentences for the people that were in the Capitol on January 6th. There are still people being tracked to this day who were in the greater D.C. area on January 6th. If you just flew there, the the TSA is monitoring you. I mean, stop. We live in this. This guy has created a police state here. Well, he didn't create it, but he's taken it to the utmost level. And he talks about what equal equal treatment under the law. His son 
got a, the most amazing deal in prosecutorial history to cover up for him, the president, and his financial crimes. And I don't know about you, but my dad wasn't, wasn't vice president, so I didn't get a million-dollar gig consulting for a Ukrainian energy firm when my dad was able to go over there and get the prosecutor who was investigating that firm fired. All right. So, you know, I don't know about how, how, how equal we really are in this country. I think there's a there's a certain amount of privilege you get if you're somebody like Joe Biden. Uh, let's go to Steve in Glenside. Hello, Steve. Hey, Rich. Uh, I was uh, emotional support rhinoceros on old Twitter. Not that yes, anyone cares. Of course. <laughs> but uh, man, Biden is incapable of articulating anything positive about his own agenda. Nothing you didn't already say, but he's. All he can do is punch down at the other side. All the people who support Trump are the problem. Um, the, the only positive thing I can say about the guy is if we're going to have drinking games every time he gives a speech, that's definitely going to boost the alcohol portion of the economy, <laughs> I guess. It's true. You're right about that. I mean, it's, gotta you got to be optimistic. At least the alcohol industry will do well. Yep. All right, Steve. Thank you, buddy. I actually opened a bottle of uh, Jack Tomasello sent me some wine. So I'm going to open up a bottle of Jack's uh, Pinot Noir, the Tomasello Pinot Noir, the Primaris. Uh, Thank you, Jack. Perfect timing for that. I need that. I really need it because it's wow. Uh, Margaret's in Langhorn. Hello, Margaret. Hi. Um, It was hard to listen to the Vegemite sandwich. (laughs) Very good. But uh, I will say this. He is pronouncing assault on Democrats wrong. And all of his trying to defray what's really wrong with this country is not going to work. You can attack Trump forever, and it doesn't change the economy. Right. Well, I do want to say that the guy that pointed out um, about the one-day insurrection where they yeah. brought flags instead of guns that was a beautiful point he that was genius <laughs> it's the only insurrection in, in in world history that started and ended in the same day that yeah funny. That's, that's perfect <laughs> thanks uh, have a great day thank you margaret appreciate it you have a great weekend yeah you know but it just i like it, it offends me it to the core to equate, you know, people smashing windows and and uh, and climbing the railings of the Capitol building to World War Two, World War One, the Civil War. It's just it, it it's just outrageously disrespectful and it's stupid. I mean, let, let's be honest, it's stupid to equate our two world wars that we fought to January sixth. Like, I, really, but they are so desperate. They, they the thing about it is that January sixth doesn't move the needle for them. I don't know if you know this or not, but it doesn't move the needle. And the major- there's a majority of Americans that believe that probably the feds were involved in some way, shape, or form in motivating people that day. It, it just, people don't care. I mean, they, they, it doesn't get people to the polls. It doesn't. It's, the, it, it, it's over. It happened. We are all the kind of people that we, we, we move on. You know, we, we move on with our lives and we think about tomorrow and that's just how we are. We've always been that way. They are so desperate to focus on this and it's not going to work. It's just not going to work because what, even if you are as offended to, to all hell by January the 6th, so what? What does it change? No, it doesn't change anything. You, you, you might be angry about it and then turn around and go, but I'm more angry about the economy right now. And, I'm, and to me, that matters more because that actually impacts tomorrow Whereas January the 6th was something that happened three years ago. It doesn't move the political needle, but they have nothing else. So all they can try for is fear. 
This is a campaign that is desperate. And I, 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 I tell you, right now, David Axelrod, James Carville, I guarantee you those guys right now are probably either texting each other or texting their friends and saying, that, that, was, that was a losing speech today. We heard the speech of a guy who is going to lose the election. Because if that's the message, if that's their message for 2024, there's no chance. There's no chance. And, I'm, and, and, and Democrats are, who can courageously say that will be doing their party a service because to allow this disaster to continue, they're, they're going to get smoked. They're going to get smoked. You're telling me that the average guy right now or gal who's working and trying to make a living in this economy and heard that speech resonates with anything Biden just said? Anything. You know what I mean? Like the, like the, the blue collar workers, the, uh, you know, some, some mom who's, who's black, whose kids are going to a failing school in America and she's, you know, trying to deal with the fact that she is paying a whole lot more for groceries right now for her kids. Did she hear anything in that speech that was for her today? Of, no, that's no, nobody did. No, the only people that heard something were the rabid MSNBC uh, sycophants who tune into this stuff religiously because they want to hear over and over again how awful Trump is going to be. And that's it. That, that's the only people that speech motivates today. And they're already voting for Biden. Uh, Tom's in Perkesy. Hello, Tom. Hey, Rich. Thank you. Happy New Year. How are you? Happy New Year, buddy. Thank you. Hey, listen, I have a, a friend of mine, and I'm going to shout out to Joe. He always, whenever I get on the radio, he always sends me texts back. And he was texting me, are you listening to this? I says, oh, absolutely. Because I love listening to Rich Zioli with his uh, commentary. Just does so much for it. I'm just so, I think it was one of the greatest speeches ever written or ever orated for a guy who basically just committed political suicide. <laughs> I, he, said no, he said nothing positive. No. So just to look at this. So I'm a retired police officer. I worked in Washington Crossing area. And now imagine if George Washington, when he was a general, said their plan of attack was going to be Christmas Eve because he knew the Hessians would all be drunk. And they weren't getting drunk by listening to Biden's speech because he's not that old. But anyway, imagine the weather forecast. He canceled it and did it some other time. Joe Biden cancels a speech at the Valley Forge. That, to me, is one of the most spineless things in the world. And then he disrupted a lot of lives in the Bluebell area. And I'm sure those people are hating him. But, oh, you, uh, you, you know they are because it was a, just a traffic nightmare thanks to him. Hey, Tom, thank you, buddy. And thanks for your service as a police officer, too. And glad you uh, got out safe and sound. Thank you for listening to the show. We appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Rich. All right. Have a great weekend. Thank you very much. Uh, we I want to just play this clip. I, I, I don't know if I I think I may have cut it off before this happened. But Biden ended the speech, walked away from the podium after screaming about Trump being a dictator, about Trump seizing power and uh, Trump never leaving office and all the other things, walked away from the podium, came back to the podium and said this. I understand power. Thank you all. I'm going to give. What? What was that? 
What does that I, even mean? I don't even know what that means. He literally walked away. They pulled him off the stage, and he came back. And he, he, I, I understand power. Thank you all. And he, he leaves again. Like power tools? Like I, <laughs> he was hugging his wife and came back to the mic just to scream that. Yeah, just to scream, I understand power. And thank you. And then we turned around and walked away. We're like, oh. Well. You, so you spend 30 minutes screaming about the other guy being obsessed with power. And then you, you come back to the podium to yell how you understand power. And the only thing missing was Hail Hydra. I, I was thinking the same thing. Somebody on Twitter said that. And I, I, I laughed so hard because um, I thought that too. A lot of this sounded like uh, Red Skull from Captain America. And I don't remember who just said it, but I was waiting for it. <laughs> I was waiting for the rip off his, the, his face and show his, oh, it was Mike Foreman. <laughs> On Twitter, who said, Rich, I was waiting for the rip off his face to say, I'm Red Skull. Red Skull, Hail Hydra. Very good. Well done. We haven't had a Captain America reference in a while. Uh, let's see. Um, yes, this is the speech in a nutshell. Valley Force, January 6th, insurrection, Trump, blah, 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 January 6th, blah, 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 democracy, Trump, insurrection, January 6th, Trump, MAGA, blah, 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 insurrection, blah, 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 Trump, insurrection, blah, 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 democracy, blah, 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 Trump, insurrection, blah, 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 democracy. And then, I understand power. Ah! Oh, man, that was so, that was so. I understand power. So I just I just spent 30 minutes warning you all about a guy who's obsessed with power who'll become a dictator and then and a fascist ruler and I want to take the time to walk away, come back and yell at you that I understand power. <laughs> I think you just kind of undermined your entire premise of your speech there, big guy. <laughs> oh wow, that was something. All right, we got to take a quick break. Dr. Victoria Coates is going to join us next. We'll talk about the uh, state of the crazy world that of course Biden said nothing about. Uh don't go away. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. That's right, and she's also, in addition to being a young American, she's also the former Deputy National Security Advisor for President Trump and the Vice President of the Davis Institute for National Security and Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation, as well as a Philadelphia original, Dr. Victoria Coates. How are you, my friend? Happy New Year. Rich, great to be with you. Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas. Hope you had a wonderful time. Well, I did. Thank you. How about you? Did you enjoy the uh, the Christmas break? It was lovely. We just had a lot of time with family and friends. And uh, just telling Matt, though, I, I did, I think, 14 interviews over the holidays. So 
it was a lot of activity. Yeah, every time I turned on Fox News, you seemed like you were on there. So that's great. <laughs> Good work. <laughs> so, yeah, well, when, when the news cycle demands it, you could have to go. Yeah, does the news cycle demand it? Is it has it been has it been interesting? Because uh, I just heard the president ramble on for thirty minutes about something that happened three years ago, but he didn't mention anything about what's actually happening in the world right now. No, it was it was an extraordinary display, and you know, I live out in Chestnut Hill. He, they came in and out of wings today. They had to take some kids out of school, uh, you know, because of the disruption, the traffic got completely snarled because he didn't want to come tomorrow with, when we may or may not get snowmageddon. Uh, so it was incredibly inconsiderate. And then to go to a place like Valley Forge and, and talk about, you know, an event, as you said, from three years ago when he wasn't even president, which has had no lasting repercussions whatsoever. And, you know, everyone has their opinions about what happened on January 6th, but nobody can have the opinion that that it had any kind of after effects on the way our government functions. Right. So it's, I, he's it, it's just meaningless. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what, what do you want? <laughs> I mean, as the entire time I'm, th- I'm hearing him talk about Washington giving up his power, I kept saying, I'm yelling on, on the radio going, but Trump left. He left the White House. I right. saw him get on Air Force One. He flew down to Florida. Like, he, le- he did the same. He left. He, what are you talking about? Yeah, that's that's what's just so bizarre about it. It's as if, if, it's if Biden thinks that there is some kind of legitimate ongoing challenge to his presidency, which is in and of itself very interesting. Yeah, well, well said. Uh, we got. A, I want to get to a, a whole bunch of different things with you, but for, I, I want to ask you the, about this first. Um, uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, the Homeland Security Secretary, who is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what he said on MSNBC regarding what's going on at the southern border right now. After we saw December had more illegal immigrants entering the country than any other month in the history of his agency, uh, cut nineteen. Border Patrol in the month of December processed more migrants entering the United States illegally than any month in the history of that agency. Why is that happening? What, how do you explain it? So we are seeing the greatest number of displaced people, not only at our southern border, not only in the Western Hemisphere, but across the globe. You know, I am involved in bilateral and multilateral meetings with my counterparts from foreign countries in Europe, uh, in Asia, in the Indo-Pacific, all over the world. And migration, the challenge of displaced people, is a subject that comes up in every single conversation. We have the effects of climate change, poverty, increasing level of authoritarianism, the very many challenges. There we go, Dr. Victoria Coates. Climate change uh, is the reason why we have so many people crossing into our southern border illegally every day. It's the number one threat. That's the first place he went. And this is, you know, it's funny, but there is a nasty underbelly to this because they are are uh, petitioning right now. The administration is to make fleeing climate change a reason to grant asylum because they they consider the United States responsible for climate change. So it's our fault. All these people are moving. So we owe it to them to give them uh, essentially citizenship uh, and certainly a vast array of social support from the United States. And as you see, he sets it up. So this could be a global thing. It's not mm. just folks coming from from 
you know, south of the border, but you could have any uh, population that decides it has been aggrieved by climate change apply to asylum on these grounds. And if you don't have, you know, a strong president and a strong Congress to say absolutely not, you know, and you have a crowd like this who would say, oh, gee, wow, maybe we should take all these people from, you know, whatever stand you care, care to mention uh, who want to get themselves into the United States. So it's really an insidious approach. And I, I had no idea that they were talking about doing that. I mean, mm-hmm. it makes perfect sense. It makes absolute sense. And then uh, you, you just have no excuse to, to send anybody home because all you got to do is say climate change and all right, you're good. You're in. Yep. That's that's oh. pretty much the plan. Wow. They, they always they're always there's always some deeper nefarious uh, agenda at play with these people. It, it's truly amazing. Uh, you wrote an op-ed at foxnews.com. In addition to being on Fox News a lot, you're, you're writing for them as well. You have an opinion piece <laughs> there. Uh, the Houthi are a foreign terrorist organization, and here's what Biden Blinken team should do about it. Biden's failure to redesignate and take action against the Iranian sponsor group puts Americans at risk, Dr. Victoria Coates. Let's talk about that. Yeah, this actually is is pretty close to home because we had this guy a couple of weeks ago from uh, from New Jersey who was apprehended in Africa. I think it was Ethiopia. I have to go read my own op-ed because he had decided to go and join the designated terrorist group Al-Shabaab and wage jihad against the United States in retaliation for Israel's action against Hamas and Gaza. So he was scooped up on a single count of providing material support to a foreign terrorist organization, which is the specific designation that we had placed the Houthi under at the end of of the Trump administration. So absent that authority from the FTO designation, the Department of Justice would have had no grounds to scoop this person up. So if he were a little bit smarter, fortunately, not all these guys are geniuses, and had gone to join oh, the Houthi, who are actually firing on the U.S. Navy as I speak, uh, then he, we wouldn't have had grounds to pick him up. So this is a designation with important authorities for countering these guys. It would have an impact on the Houthi and their Iranian sponsors, because the Iranians could be liable for additional sanctions for providing all the material support they do to the Houthi. And we would actually be targeting the people who are taking pot shots at our sailors on a routine basis. And we hear about the Houthi and, and what they're doing, but who, who are they? How big are they? And, and, and what kind of what's their goal in their and their mission here? Well, their goal is to dominate Yemen uh, and and create a kind of a caliphate in Yemen. They are not technically ISIS because they're Shiites not Sunnis, which is the ISIS brand of the radical Islamic terrorism. Uh, And that's why they're appealing to the Iranians, who had started to deploy them as a kind of terrorist proxy uh, probably seven, eight years ago. And, you know, I remember joking in one National Security Council meeting during the administration that, that Yemen is a country that most Americans think of as where Chandler Bing went on Friends to get away from Janice. Uh, I believe it was season four. Um, and it's our job to keep it that way. The one way, where you know, he went right? to Yemen, I believe, is the yeah, title of that it, one, right? Indeed. And I mean, and it's our job to keep it that way. Do I wish Americans paid more attention to geography? Sure. But there's no need for them to know this. And if Yemen is a reasonably peaceful, responsible uh, place, which it has been in the past, 
you know, it doesn't have to be a massive problem. But what the Houthi has done is displace the legitimate government of of Yemen. And I mean, they they I mean, it's probably a toss up about which is worse, the Houthi or ISIS. I mean, they are the same kind of radical Islamists, just under a different brand. And what the really dangerous thing that they've done for a number of years now, but have ratcheted up dramatically since October 7th, using that as an excuse, is attacks on commercial shipping, which is why our warships are also now uh, in that region of the Red Sea. And so, you know, we're about to see these disruptions because you have the major shippers now sending stuff around Africa, which adds 10 days, two weeks to your voyage. This is going to make the blockage in the Suez Canal two and a half years ago look like a walk in the park if this goes on. So it's deeply dangerous, not just to the region, but to all of us in terms of what's going to happen with supply chains and prices. Now, you point out that the Pentagon has something called Operation Prosperity Guardian, which would purportedly ensure safe passage of commercial shipping through the Red Sea. But you, 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 you bring up the fact that there is a uh, real reluctance here from several of our European partners who are not supporting that. Why, why are they not supporting it? Yeah, this has been a really interesting case because this is going to be problematic for America. It's catastrophic for Europe. They're going to they're going to start feeling this the most harshly and, and the quickest because uh, these are all goods either outbound from Europe to Asia or coming in to Europe from Asia. So the Europeans would like to get order restored immediately. And there was some very little noticed reporting in Politico at the beginning of December which was sourced to the administration saying, oh, we don't want to redesignate the Houthi and we don't want to take direct action against them because we're still hopeful that we're going to get some peace deal between the Houthi and Saudi Arabia. So peace in Yemen, which is something the president campaigned on. And I think would li- he'd like to see this kind of diplomatic success going into another election year. But I mean, I'm sorry, this isn't about your reelection. This is about the world's economy, including America's economy and the security of one of the biggest shipping lanes in the world. And you know, we need to get something done. But I think the Europeans read that and thought this is going nowhere. The Americans aren't going to do what needs to be done. And that's when the French, the Italians and the Spanish all said, no, we won't participate if the United States is in charge and giving the orders. So that's an extraordinary thing where the French are being better than we are. Well, I, I, you know, I, I hear that and I think to myself, OK, this is a, you know, a million miles away, but the commercial shipping aspect of this is going to have absolute effects on the American economy and the supply chain and everything else. And this is this is a big deal people need to pay attention to here. They do. And, and the, the really bottom line, I mean, everyone's joking about an Ikea couch because Ikea has already announced there are going to be delays in its products, but the, the key things that flow through there are grain and energy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, these are global commodities. And, you know, I would be very interested in having conversations about how we can do much more about making sure we are internally supplied, because I think we're the only country of our scale that could both feed and fuel ourselves if we sh- so desired. That's a huge advantage. And, you know, if something like this happens, you know, you can say, gee, this is bad, but, you know, I have the capacity to provide for my citizenry here at home. 
you know, so I can take care of their basic needs. But, you know, we are so now dependent on these on these global networks and systems that that's not possible right now. And so inevitably, these cost increases, particularly for food and fuel. uh, So at the grocery store and at the pump, this hits pretty close to home. Dr. Victoria Coates is my guest, and uh, it's great to have her here, the vice president of the Davis Institute for Foreign Policy at the Heritage Foundation. Uh, I was filling in for Mark Levin over the holidays, and I shared a letter that you you signed on to uh, with a number of other people saying that the United States of America needs to let Israel fight this war the way Israel needs to fight this war. And something you and I have talked about quite a bit, which is that, you know, Biden keeps telling Israel what to do. Ukraine gets to do whatever they want to do. And, you know, obviously Ukraine has receipts and Israel doesn't. Um, what's the latest with that? Where do things stand with that conflict? And, um, and, and what is the United States of America doing right now to bust Israel's chops and try to stop them? Yeah, it, it, it was a very interesting effort, and I generally am extremely skeptical of these letters. Uh, you know, I, I, they, you, you tend to gain nothing, and they can come back to bite you in the future. But this was one that was led by my old boss, uh, Senator Ted Cruz. And, you know, having worked with him on Israel issues for now over a decade, I think neither of us would like to admit it, but it's true, uh, that that this was a really important statement from the Congress of what they want to support. And going into 2024, uh, you know, I was talking to a group of House members about this earlier this week. You know, they are going to have to play a role they have never played before in terms of national security policy because of the failures of this administration. And it's really hard to do from the Congress, but it can be done. And this kind of a letter sends a very clear signal you know, unambiguously to the White House, this is where the Congress is. And so, you know, if if you're going to ask for something different, you should be prepared for disappointment. And if you want to get something done, you're going to have to take our position and views into consideration. So, as I said, really important signal, also a signal to Israel, because we're getting increasing reports uh you know, Politico reported tonight, oh, the White House feels that they're in the dark about Israel's strategy. That's outrageous. That should never be the case. Uh, you know, I remember how closely we worked with our Israeli counterparts, and I spoke to some of them this week uh, about, you know, what what is happening? What do you need? You know, how can we help? That kind of a thing. You know, that that would never be the case that we would be in the dark because it wouldn't be in Israel's best interest to keep us in the dark. But unfortunately, you know, they're seeing the kind of acquiescence of the administration, which started with some good rhetoric, but now is is very much all about, you know, oh, my gosh, are all the payments going to the Palestinian Authority? That apparently was the most important thing they wanted to raise with former Ambassador Ron Dermer when he was here last week. It's like, I'm sorry, now is not the time to reward the Palestinian Authority. Now is the time to conclude the war in Gaza by winning the war in Gaza. Well, that kind of brings me to another op-ed you wrote, this time for TheHill.com, along with Jamie Metzl. Uh, White House staffers protesting Biden should be fired. Uh, So you, you, you have a situation here where... You've got people saying uh, a sign, you know, President Biden, your staff demands a ceasefire and people within the administration right now doing a public vigil in front of the White House protesting the boss 
on foreign policy that he that he apparently says he believes in, although, you know, that's debatable. But um, but your point here is, look, these people are not supposed to be undermining the president. They're they're there supposed to be doing the job of what the president wants. Otherwise, quit and go do something else. Oh, 100 percent. And Jamie is a good friend, but he is a liberal Democrat. He served on President Clinton's NSC doing international organizations. And, you know, we've agreed to disagree on a number of different policies. But on this, we found ourselves in very strong agreement. And, you know, and another hopeful sign, the reason I'm friends with him is he's on Heritage's bipartisan uh, commission to study the origins of COVID, uh, the report of which will be out uh, early this spring. And so here, here is a card-carrying liberal Democrat who is willing to be sensible on national security issues. It is possible and get to consensus. And what we agreed on from our time on times, uh, different times, uh, on the NSC was you, you get these high-level political appointments or you ask to be detailed from your home agency to a, a White House and at that point, you work for the president, which means you work for the American people who elected him. Nobody voted for you. And if you disagree, you know, after Vietnam, we put the proper channels of dissent into place so you can have a way to express your opinion. There's the interagency process. Heaven knows everyone is consulted in the course of that and signs off on various things. But at the end of the day, if the president makes a decision, after you've had your two cents, then your choice is salute and carry it out or resign. You're not tenured. You're not in any way privileged. And I'm concerned that what we're seeing in terms of our kind of global breakdown, you know, that everything seems to be unmoored, unsettled, that it's coming because, you know, this kind of, of, of rule is not being enforced. And so you have a, a process that's coming unmoored and, I say this only half facetiously. I mean, the inmates are running the asylum. Yeah, and and and, and if you don't want to do the job, if you don't want to do it, it, it you don't you. You, you leave. I mean, that's just how it is. It's, it's, you don't have a First Amendment right to be there and undermine the president of the United States. The Constitution puts the power of the presidency into the president, not the president mm-hmm. and all these bureaucrats who, who work in the executive branch of government. You know, you don't you don't share power. So if you if you disagree, you can't undermine. You have to leave, which, uh, of course, is why I'm optimistic for Project or Vision 2025 that the Heritage Foundation is working on to really restore that sense because uh we have we have allowed so many unelected unaccountable bureaucrats to be able to to run amok and and literally undermine the administration this is very egregious because as you and jamie metzel point out and again this is very bipartisan here these are white house staffers doing it these are people that are Uh directly shining a light on the president's policy and that is just i mean that undermines the president whether you agree with him or not um completely yeah, it just it exposes the fact that their policy is not persuasive to their own staff. Uh, you know, and right. in, a, in a way, that they're in a cleft of their own making because for those who are very strongly pro-Israel and supported President Trump's policies for Israel, Biden will never be, you know, what, what President Trump was. And for those who opposed Trump and are, you know, more reflexively, progressively pro-Palestinian for whatever reason – Anything that's not 100 percent in their position is going to be bad. So so that's kind of the, the 
trap they set for themselves. And instead of, you know, they've been they've sort of veering between these two ideological positions instead of saying, hey, what is in the best interests of the American people in this particular crisis? How do we how do we promote that best interest? They're now kind of caught uh, waffling between two extremes. And so they wind up with no policy at all. Yeah, well said. Well said, my friend. Well, listen, great job. Great start to the year with two powerful op-eds. And uh, we appreciate you giving us your time since you're such in high demand on all these big time national shows. You don't forget well, the city you of Philadelphia. Are too rich. <laughs> well, you know, listen, I, I mean, I'm shameless. I'll, I'll take any opportunity I can get. What, what, what am I saying? Uh, well, we're going to hope Victoria. for better things on Sunday. Actually, yeah, before I let you go, uh, Henry... Uh, jump in here for a second. Henry said the other day he thinks the season is over for the Eagles, Dr. Mm-hmm. Victoria Coates. It's it is rough. Uh, I, I mean, it's it's rare you see this kind of breakdown. And I listen to maybe a little too much WIP, not to mention another station. Uh, and I think what's becoming just not during three is, to seven, obviously. <laughs> it's not during three to seven, right? Uh, but but. You know, the, the changes, particularly on the defense, you know, one can hope that this is freshman jitters and, you know, sort of working into the NFL and that that situation will be fixed this year. But it's hard for me to see that group pull together the maturity and resilience that they would need to have both to win on Sunday. Uh, but fingers crossed. I mean, they should win. But then also to have a good playoff run. So so it's – I Henry, I sadly – I think you're right. Yeah, it's the, it's the sad truth. I mean, you hit the nail right on the head. So, well, if things it, don't work out with this whole foreign policy thing, I think you and Henry could do a sports show on WIP. <laughs> so, I, 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 I am, I am here for you, and I think you know we've got much more out of the Flyers than we expected. Oh yeah, the Sixers are looking good, and I, I still think the Phillies are going to make another move. So, mm-hmm. off season, we, we, we have hope. Yeah. A lot of hope around the town, just not necessarily in Midnight Green. (laughs) Or Kelly Green. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Dr. Victoria Coates, thank you, my friend. Have a great weekend. Take care. The Rich Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. I'll bang these two out in the 5 o'clock hour. Henry, sound good? Uh, Yeah, as long as you do them. I promise I'll do them. And uh, we've got 30 minutes of nonstop talk coming up for you straight ahead. Don't go away. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 